Welcome into episode 81 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Yep, I'm, I'm joining you in that. Man, I don't think I've gotten over the win yesterday yet. It, it's still like, it took a while to kind of set in that they came back and won the game, and it was a roller coaster of emotions, definitely. Um, this is my last game in Boone Pickens Stadium. It didn't really hit until after the alma mater, Friends in Little Places, came on. It was a, it was an interesting night, and I was just in disbelief. And I just kept looking at my friends and just going, I, I, I don't know how we won that game. I, I can't believe we did it. But we're going bowling, and that's all that matters right now. Oh, I, I'm working on something um, for this week, and I mentioned it in my uh, my post game thoughts, but. The game aside, getting six wins and going back to a bowl game again is really, really important. I think that OSU continuing this bowl run, getting to 13 years, keeping this streak alive is bigger than people think it is, even if it is just to the cheese it Bowl or the Liberty Bowl. Like I, I realize that hanging another lower-tier bowl banner in, in the training center isn't that big of a deal, but keeping this bowl streak alive is Oklahoma State right now has the tenth longest active bowl streak. They are the they're one of only ten teams with a double digit active bowl streak. They're currently tenth, and Florida State's not bowl eligible yet. Virginia Tech's not bowl eligible yet. Like they they could rise up if those teams don't don't keep that run going. It's a big deal. It really is because it is something you can sell recruits on. No no five star is going to be real excited. Ooh, you guys went to the cheesy bowl, but you you. I just think for OSU and for a program like this, with with all the stats that OSU has over the last decade, I think that their bowl streak is both one of the most underrated and important stats they have. And I would have been really, really sad to watch that clock go back to zero. I'm I'm with you there. I, I, I was talking to my dad, one of his best friends is a West Virginia grad. He flew down to Alabama to go watch the game with him. And after I, you know, FaceTimed him and was talking to him about the game and, you know, West Virginia fan was obviously bummed because he watched his team just completely fall apart in the second half. But, Ooh. you know, at the, I said at the end of the day, like, hey, we're going bowl and that's all that matters. And he goes, oh, you're going to the toilet bowl. Who cares? And I said, look, considering about a month ago, most of the Oklahoma State fans that follow football religiously thought there's no chance we win a game the rest of the season to find a way to a beat two top 10 teams in the process but find a way to get two more wins to get to that bowl game means way more than whatever bowl game we go to i don't care what it is at this point the fact that we're able to go considering how bleak it looked a month ago this is a huge step for the for the program to continue this consistent run of playing in a bowl game oh absolutely and, and i want we'll talk a bit about the game itself a little bit more in a minute but I, I do think there is something to, you know, it's not exactly like 2014, because in 2014, you know, you, you won Bedlam, you got to the bowl game, you won the bowl game, and there was a lot of momentum carried into 2015. You know, part of that was because you had Mason Rudolph, the true freshman quarterback came in, you saw how impressive he could be, and, and that built momentum for the next season. No, Taylor Cornelius isn't coming back next year, you're gonna have a brand new quarterback, so that's different. But you could say the same thing about the defense. The way the defense has played since the bye week and has continued to progress, continued to develop, especially the secondary, which was, and I'm, we're going to talk about them, lights out in the second half. And really, they were really stinking good in that game. Really stinking good. I mean, 
I don't know how many times I saw Will Greer just had to stay in the pocket for a long time with plenty of time and never find a receiver get open because the coverage by the secondary was so good against a fantastic wide receiver core for West Virginia. But kind of like we got excited about 2015 because of what we saw from Mason Rudolph, that's how I feel about the defense and why I think getting back to a bowl game and having two more games and having that bowl game practice, that's why I think that is so important and could set up 2019 as a year where we are really excited about what we're going to see out of the defense the way we were really excited to see what Moosin Rudolph was going to look like after the 2014 season. This is two weeks in a row where we've seen the defense against really, really good offenses. And obviously, oh, you're probably the best offense in the country, at least up there. And held them in check in the second half, kept the offense in the game. And obviously, you know, it came down to one play. And you love that. At least the defense kept us in the game. It very, OU could have very well put up 70 on us. And the defense, you know, kept them in the game. And we saw the same thing yesterday. West Virginia scored 10 points after scoring 31 in the first half. They held, held one of the best quarterbacks in the country in check. A.J. Green was just shutting down David Sills. David Sills is a very talented wide receiver. He made a great play to catch an absolute great pass from Will Greer, first play of the second quarter. Other than that, he didn't really do anything. And A.J. Green, who's been inconsistent, that's the best way to put it, all season, when he's not committing pass interference after pass interference after pass interference, he's a very talented wide receiver. I think it was Kyle Boone said, A.J. Green's either the best or the worst corner in the Big 12, depending on who the referee crew is. And <laughs> I feel like that was a pretty good point. No, it is. Because if you watched him, and, and the announcers kept pointing it out, A.J. Green was being physical with David Sills, and it was working, but the refs were letting him be physical. Now, I'm not saying that he was committing penalties left and right and getting away with it. They were allowing him to play physically, which is what you want from football. There's there's violent and there's physical. I want to watch right. defenders be able to play physical because when they can't is when you're favoring the offense. And in a, in a day and age, especially in the Big 12, like I want to allow the defensive players to play physical because, and I'm okay with, when you allow, there was a there was a point where David Sills had a push off on AJ Green to get open for a catch. Yeah, they didn't call offensive pass. I know which one you're and I was about. okay with that because if you're going to allow the defender to be physical, you have to allow the offensive player to do it. And I'm okay with that. I want to watch two guys battle for the ball more than I want to watch a yellow flag thrown because the two guys got somewhere close to sneezing on each other. Like, let me watch physical football. And AJ Green, when he's allowed to be physical, is. I and I'm shocked to say this a shutdown corner in the Big 12. You know, you you mentioned yeah. how good the defense was in the second half. They held West Virginia scoreless in third quarter, 10 points in the second half. You go back and look at that game against OU 2 weeks ago. OU had what? 19 points total? Something something like that. Yeah. I mean, these are two of these are probably the two best offenses in the Big 12. These are two fantastic offenses period with two Heisman Two quarterbacks who should be at the Heisman ceremony in New York. I don't care if West Virginia lost. Will Greer's a Heisman-worthy candidate. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. He's a very, very good quarterback. But he's a very good quarterback. And you I mean, you, you completely shut him down. At the defense, I, I put this in my notes, the first half against Texas, the, the second half against OU, the second half, and really the whole game. If you go back and really pay attention to this game on Saturday, if not for the turnovers, the defense was lights out the entire game. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it, it, it's amazing what they were able to do. And I, I, if I remember watching the game from what I saw, at least in the second half, obviously the coverage in the secondary was great. But the defense, they were consistently blitzing four or five and not necessarily getting to him, but forcing him out of the pocket or forcing him into quick decisions in a throwaway or an incomplete pass. It, it wasn't like, you know, I thought the front four played well. Obviously, uh, you know, getting when you have guys like Jordan Brailford, Trey Carter, they were able to get after him, maybe not put him on his back, but at least force him into a quick throw. And I feel like that made a difference as well as the great uh, coverage out in the secondary there. Yeah, the defense played great. We also need to talk... Yeah, he had two interceptions, and he had a couple of ball, other balls that might have been picked, but Taylor Cornelius, when it counted, was the guy that Mike Gundy has been telling us he is since spring ball. Mike mm-hmm. Gundy since spring ball has been saying, we, our best chance to win is with Taylor Cornelius. And I think we saw on Saturday what this team can be with him and, and what we thought it would be kind of all season. It's just taken them forever to get to this point. And mm-hmm. I don't think we realize – I think this team took longer to develop and, and figure itself out than we than we expected. You know, you, you expect teams to play their best football later in the season as they get better and get better and improve and learn and change and adjust. And, and for some reason, this OSU team, Taylor Cornelius, the defense, the, the offensive play calling, took all the way until the bye week. I don't know why it took until the bye week, but since the bye week, the defense has been better. The offensive play calling has been better. Taylor Cornelius has been fantastic. Yeah, I threw two picks. They were bad throws. But and I think Adam Lunt made the point on Twitter, like they were they were like freshman like throws. But this is Taylor Cornelius is essentially like first year actually playing. Yeah, he's right. he's been on the team. He's a former walk on who's played backup. He, this is his 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 pl- freshman playing season. It takes time to develop, and it's it's disappointing to some extent that the, it took this long to get this way, and that they had those close losses to Baylor and OU. But man, I just feel like that win on Saturday kind of makes up for a lot of the the disappointment from this season. And it's kind of like 2014 when they won Bedlam. Man, it's amazing. How many ills one win can cure? Oh, it's, it's no doubt. And yeah, the first half was frustrating. And he made, he made some throws that were just, I wouldn't necessarily say inexcusable, but they were just bad reads. And that, you know, happens. And that's, that's part of football. Unfortunately, you just make a bad read and you try and force a throw. You move on. And he could have let that affect him. And it could have been an even worse second half. And he could have gotten gun shy and not made the throws down the field. He was still chucking the ball downfield and he was accurate in the second half. And he was making th- like schoolyard plays down the field. The, the throw that I will always remember is that third and 21 where he climbed the pocket, could have ran, you know, and got picked up, you know, marginal yards, got into field goal range. And he chucks it downfield to Tyron Johnson, who kept his feet in bounds and kept the drive alive. And then he, Cornelius, ended up finishing the drive with the zone read. A touchdown run to put us within three and that to me just was it was an incredible throw but it was just a play of like man I, I, I that's when I started to believe a little bit and I think Robert Wetzel said the same thing on Twitter like it, he posted that video after the game and said this is when I started to believe and that's kind of when I felt it too like something's different and it kind of made me feel like the Mason Rudolph led teams of they were never down 
and they just kept fighting and just shipped away and shipped away and shipped away and found a way to win a close game, which they just haven't done this season, really. And it's refreshing and it was encouraging. I wish it didn't necessarily, the offense clicked a little bit earlier in the season, but man, that entire last drive to win the game was just surgical. Like, I don't even think, can you remember, do you think they got to a third down on that drive? I don't think they did. I think it was first and second, the entire drive. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember. I it doesn't say, feel like it, but no. If man. they did, it was like a third and one. I think it was. Oh, they did get to a third and one, and then Chuba fought for a first down. Like he was tackled right around the line of scrimmage and managed to get two yards out of it. And then I think he had the next run was like twenty yards. Speaking of Chuba, if oh Justice goodness. Hill leaves at the end of this season and goes pro. I'm going to feel very good about Oklahoma State's run game next year. He's so talented. It's not just that he, we already knew he was talented. We knew if you got him the ball out in space, he could make a guy miss it and pick up a lot of yards. We knew he was shifty. We knew he was fast. But what we hadn't seen from him was the ability to run between the tackles, run up the middle, and gain those so difficult but so vital one or two yards on a third and short when the defense is, is, is trying to stop you. And he did that numerous times on Saturday. He did those Justice Hill should have been a loss or two, but ends up being a gain of three. And once he showed that, you knew OSU's run game was in good hands moving forward. So even if Hill does go pro, I'm feeling really good about what Hubbard's going to be able to do as the number one back for OSU. He is as good, if not better, than Gundy ever talked about him last year. Like when he said, when you know, you heard you heard of the phrase of when he said, "If he gets in the open field, it's over." And I mean, that's true. If you get to an open space, I mean, it's almost a f- automatic first down. But his yes, that was what was most surprising to me. His toughness the last two games, he's taken a lot of hits, and he took some hard hits in Bedlam. Obviously, he fumbled one, but no one's going to hold on to that ball. And then West Virginia was hitting him hard, and he just kept getting up and just kept going after him. And then you saw the holes finally broke for him on that final drive. He had multiple runs of 15 yards. I think he had two of more than 20 on that drive. And he just wore them down, and his speed was still there. His speed didn't waver, and his ability to just make you miss in a phone booth is going to be great moving forward. I feel good, even if, like you said, even if Justice Hill leaves, which – I still think there's a good chance he does. I will, I'm just fine with Justice or Chuba Hubbard being the number one guy next year. I think it's going to be just as dynamic as Hill, if not more. Yeah, and that is in no way any disrespect to Hill, who's absolutely probably, not. Who's He's one a, of the five best running backs to ever come to Oklahoma State. Absolutely. But I think Hubbard. I, I think the the transition from Hill to Hubbard is going to be the best we've had at OSU under Gundy. And that's saying something with some of the backs who've been here while Mike Gundy was here. Right. When we've gone from, you know, from guys like Hunter to Randall, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to pay to get Marcus Arroyo back here to keep recruiting running backs, do it, pay him, make it happen. Because please, I, I, yeah. I, we, we need that back in Stillwater. Good. No grief. kidding. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny on the, I think it was in the, like right on the second half when Chuba started to heat up a little bit when he wasn't just getting those three yards. I think he averaged like three yards a carry in the first half. And that got up to right around six by the end of the game with some of those chunk runs he had. But when he was getting first downs on the video board, not on the big one, but like the two on the sides, they just kept putting up the Canadian flag. (laughs) 
That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. Like, they, should just, people, they should just start flying one outside the stadium just for him. I, I think I saw Justin Southwell say something about that. Like, okay, when are we gonna when are we gonna just start flying the Canadian flag in honor of this guy? Like, he's he's played his ass off against two really good teams, and when he jumped into a starting role when Hill goes down, and then his first career start, he goes over a hundred yards again. He's special. The, this offense is still going to be good next year. I don't care who is a quarterback. You've got a fast freaking running back to give the ball to when in doubt. Yeah, the other guy we've really got to get a lot of props to. It wasn't Tylen Wallace's best game statistically in any way, shape, or form. Um, he only averaged 8.9 yards a catch, which was the lowest of the season. Darn, you know. <laughs> but, but that's just it. Like Even having I mean, seven catches, 62 yards, and they were 62 of the most impactful yards of the game. And his no two touchdown catches were both impressive for entirely two completely different reasons. The first one, I don't know how he got it. I don't know how he twisted his body away from the defender to catch that ball. But as impressive as the first one was, we've seen him use his athleticism, his, his length, his strength and, and and speed to to make crazy and wild catches all season long. But to get the ball five yards short of the end zone and immediately have a defender on his back draped over him like a cape and still muscle his way into the end zone and earn those last five yards. I think people don't realize how far five yards are when you've got a guy on your back trying to stop you. It is not easy. To muscle his way in for that that the score that won the game was the last nail in the coffin for why he should win the Bolitnikov this year. He has shown that he literally can do anything out there. And that's on a day where West Virginia's secondary focused on him, made sure he didn't have a big game, and yet he still made the plays that make him the best target at OSU. Uh, yeah, I need someone to have. I need if there's a photo of that, you know, him making the catch, receiver, you know, defender on his back. I need a photo of the uh, the Superman cape photoshopped onto the West Virginia defender because that's that's the Superman cape right there for him. Because my goodness, that I watched him catch that and I was like, in my head, I'm going, "There's no way he's gonna just drag him into the end zone." And no. he just it wasn't even close. Like five yards short. I went back and watched that replay. It was he was. He caught it five yards short of the end zone, and I just you sat there going, "He's, I mean, okay, there's no gonna, way we're gonna get, he's gonna get dragged down about the two, and we're gonna have to try and punch it in for the." Oh shoot, he just oh no, got he's in. just doing it. He yeah. got in. Yeah, I was, my mouth, I did my mouth just my jaw dropped, and I was like, and everyone's going crazy, and I'm just silent, like, "Yo, what just happened?" <laughs> that was, and that was that capped that drive that was just the I I haven't seen the offense click like that all season. Well, like was that so was well, the, it was so well called. Like oh, and also shout out to Mike Yersich. He called a great game in the second half. The first oh. half it was really really soft. I didn't really like a lot what we were doing. I now I love the call of the tight end. Shout out Logan Carter, first career catch, first career touchdown. But the second half they were getting it out to the playmakers in space, getting it out of Cornelius's hands quick, running the ball when they needed to. It just it, everything clicked. And I need the game called like that for four quarters, and I want to see what this offense can do against a good TCU defense. Yeah, well, we'll talk about TCU on on Wednesday. Um, that's a it's actually it's still still a big game for a lot. Oh, of for reasons, sure. And we can talk mm-hmm. about that then. Uh, I do. We do got to talk about basketball a little bit. Before, yes. Or this this is going to get us 
super long podcast, which is fine when we're winning. Everyone wants to listen. But, yeah. You know, all, all, t- all tens of listeners actually want to hear us say some good stuff about the team for a change. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the basketball team and basketball team got a nice win on Sunday. Uh, their second win of the season. And for people who, who aren't basketball fans, but just like OSU, uh, it may be college of Charleston, but that was actually a really, really good win for the Cowboys on Sunday. Not only was it their most impressive win and their most impressive performance, uh, that's a tournament team. No, it's not a Duke or North Carolina, blah, 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 blah. College of Charlton is a senior-laden team. They're going to make the tournament. From a resume builder, that is a really good win. And and to win the way they did where they, they built a big second-half lead, Charleston started making some shots, started climbing back into it. It, it almost felt a little bit kind of like the, the Charlotte game that they lost in the opener. But OSU never fell, never, never fell apart, never crumbled. They played great defense. They made shots when they needed to, and they got a really big win and a very important win before they head out to uh, the Advocare Invitational uh, to open against that that tournament against Memphis on Thursday. Yeah, this is a this is a huge win, especially for a young team that you know they battle. Obviously, you know, battled had lost a twenty four point lead, kind of battled a you know, a UTSA team eventually pulled away, but that game was a lot closer in about the first 10 or 15 minutes of that game and then found a way to win there. And then they had, you know, they were kind of back and forth in the first half. And what I saw, obviously I just looked at the box score, but I wasn't able to watch the game, unfortunately, but I, uh, I saw how close it was. And then they jumped out to, I think I saw Nathan Ruiz said at some point, you know, end of the first half to the beginning of the second half was like a 33 to five run or something yeah. like that. Yeah, when you're able to pull away and then hold on to that lead when it got pretty close there into about 10 or 12 points, that game could have easily gotten away from them. But to see them be able to hold on to that win is huge moving forward. And all I saw, uh, at least in the social media reaction, is that Michael Weathers is as good as advertised. Obviously, the monster dunk he had at the end of the UTSA game uh, was pretty cool. And that was a, uh, you know, say, OK, he's he's an athletic guy, but it just looked like in just a few videos I saw he was able to just get to the bucket at will. And with a pure outside shot too, and man, that's something else. Yeah, he was a a big difference maker in that game. I'm like that team looks completely different with him than without him. Like, right? I, I they may not have won today if he had not been on the court. That's that's how big he was. And don't get me wrong, Cam and Griffith was great. Lindy Waters was really good. Thomas Azagua was really good. The freshmen continued to. Uh, contribute really well. Still no Mike Cunningham. He's still dealing with that hamstring issue. But Michael Weathers was everything we had heard about him all last year and during the offseason. I mean, I, that is how important he is for this team. I still don't think they're a tournament team even with him, but he's going to be the difference of at least three to four wins this season. I think he's that impactful for this Oklahoma State team, and he's that important to this Oklahoma State team. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the coolest thing about this game, at least early in the season, was you see, uh, you know, the trust that Mike Boynton has in these some of these freshmen and mainly in Duncan DeMuth right now. You know, yeah. he only had four points, didn't make a free throw, but he dove on the floor, took a charge, played great defense. And he he really reminds me of a young Mitchell, Sol- like a freshman Mitchell Solomon. Like he they just got a reincarnate of him in Duncan DeMuth. And I think he's going to be. You know, not necessarily a high impact guy, but he's going to make a difference making those type of just gritty grinder type plays that you need, you know, young players to make. Yeah, I think he's I like how much um, 
Boynton is playing the freshman. Obviously, they have to. They don't, they have a lot of young guys on the roster. Probably. Right. You can't just but sit all of them. really trusting them to be to not only contribute, but to be important parts of this team. And I think that's huge for their development. I don't, I don't think anyone thinks, obviously their goal is to reach the tournament this year. And I, and it should be, and they should try and do that. But anyone smart's looking at this team going, we know what this team is. Um, anything we can do win-wise is awesome. But the more this team develops, the better off they're going to be next year when these new more guys come in. I just, like, you watch this team and go, they're not the best team in the Big 12. They're not going to win the conference. I don't think they're going to make the tournament. But they're going to be a team that, that plays hard. They play good defense. The offense is okay. Uh, when they're hitting shots, it looks really good. When they're not, it's, it's not. But I like this team. They they work hard. They, they, they struggle. They fight. They fight for the ball. They move the ball well. Like it's it's a well coached team, which isn't surprising because of what we saw last year from Boynton. But it's a well coached team, and, and I'm really enjoying watching these freshmen continue to develop. I realize there's only three games into the season, but I'm I'm not kidding. If you watched the game on Sunday uh, today, it, it was their best performance. You have you, there's real progress from week one and even the 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 exhibition game to now. Yes, absolutely. And I think the thing that's going to be huge for this team moving forward, obviously, if Mike Cunningham can get healthy, there's some senior experience right there that's going to be able to slow things down and help these freshmen on the floor. Obviously, when you have game experience with guys like Dizzy and McGriff and Waters, that's great. But to have a senior guy that's been around, this is his fifth year of college basketball, he can even slow down the juniors. And I think that's going to be huge, especially just some leadership there. But to see a guy like Weathers, I think he's going to be the go-to guy for this team, at least when they really need a bucket. He's going to be that guy. I I know I'm waiting to see a guy like McGriff, Waters, Dezagua, anybody else that could kind of be a secondary to that. I feel like when those guys are on the floor, I just don't see a true go-to, give me the ball, let me score. Maybe McGriff, but I think Weathers is going to be that guy for this team. To have a really good team, you need a couple of number ones, a couple of number twos, and a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. This is a team where I think Weathers is potentially a one, probably a two and a lot of really good lower twos and threes. Um, that's not a team that's going to get the tournament or win a lot, but but they're going to contribute. They're going to do well. And I just like I like what I see from them so far. They've got a, uh, we can talk about this more on Wednesday um, ahead of the Advocare. Uh, Memphis is going to be an interesting matchup. Villanova doesn't look great, um, so if if they can get past Memphis, they've got a they've got a a beatable Villanova team probably in the second round. Um, right. So, uh, you know, looking at that that tournament head beforehand, it looked like uh, a a one and two, maybe two and run record coming out of it. I still think that's likely what happens. It's just I, I have I feel better about that tournament. Um, we'll break it down a little bit more on on Wednesday's show, but I'm I like what I'm seeing so far, and, and Weathers is going to be really fun to watch uh, in that tournament. Absolutely, and I I just want to say two more two more thoughts here on basketball team. Uh, Dezagua is still really good at shooting threes. Um, that's going to be huge for this team moving forward. The thing is, we saw this last year as well, where he was hitting a ton of shots early in non-conference play, and then we just didn't see it a lot in conference play. So hopefully, if he can be somewhat, you know, pretty consistent. Obviously, it's hard to be truly consistent shooting threes unless you're play for the Golden State Warriors, but. If he can be pretty consistent for this team, I mean, he's going to be a sniper, and that's going to be huge to have that kind of just go-to guy, give me two or three threes a game, you know, and to change the game a little bit. And he's playing with a little bit of swagger, which I think is pretty fun to watch. And then uh, your and I's ability to ju- uh, block jump shots is stupid. 
and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. You got any final thoughts here? I'm excited to preview this TCU game. Like I said, I think it's going to be a really big game, but winning that game over West Virginia takes so much pressure off of them. And and not only that, with, with TCU having beat Baylor on Saturday, and that game was, was in the morning, so it happened before OSU-West Virginia, and TCU winning, and now they're one win away from bowl eligibility. Man, it made that game in Fort Worth that much scarier for OSU to have to go into for their last win to get to get to a bowl game. Beating West Virginia and taking that pressure off just at, at this point with this team, like you're just you're playing with house money. I know that doesn't sound right. Like you want to go seven and five and win and go eight and five, but at this point, it is. It's just you. you your goal of getting to a bowl game has been reached. That is a huge weight off the shoulders. I mean, just think of the shoulders of the fans, like how stressed we were. Right. How do you, the players and the coaching staff was feeling that it was going to be like 2014 where they had to win their last game on the road just to get to a bowl game. It's not happened. That's fantastic. Uh, it makes me feel – I think it, I think it actually makes me feel better about Saturday than I was going to um, had they lost. Yeah, had they lost, and then it's a five and six versus five and six, you know, bowl bowl game. Um, that would have been a lot more nerve wracking as a fan and a player. Uh, I, I'm glad that at least we can go in and, you know, obviously we still want to win because I'd rather go to a better bowl game than cheese it bowl for goodness sake. But give me that uh, Liberty Bowl, man, Liberty Bowl. Yeah. yeah, give me anything besides the cheese it bowl, please. I don't need that meme in my head for about three weeks. Um, <laughs> And then my last thought is, for the love of all that's holy, hire a special teams coordinator. And that's oh. all I'll say. Just, oh, let's, oh. Just, let's just not talk about it because we'll be gone for another 15 minutes. But I'm just saying, hire a special teams coordinator, please. Seven all right. kickoffs out of bounds this season. That's it. That's it. We're good. We're done. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We, we got it. Uh, Philip, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, follow me personally at, at OKTXARPOKE, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. I do occasionally tweet things that people like. Um, so it, it, mostly OSU stuff. Uh, you can also follow my show. It's all about the big 12. It's 10, 12 podcast it's at the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. Or you can follow me at JT Penfield. Uh, I occasionally tweet about Oklahoma state. I also tweet a lot about baseball. I know it's the off season, but we're 80, 88 days. So pitchers and catchers report. So I got to get there. Uh, uh, <laughs> stop it. Or I'm going to start talking soccer on this podcast on a regular basis. Hey, I like soccer too, but baseball is king. All right. You can follow, and then be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And uh, we, we got a lot of – now we can actually talk about bowl games. So that's awesome. And we'll have basketball and all that. we got a lot of stuff coming on the site this week. Uh, we'll see everyone later this week. Talk about TCU.